they're not about an image and coming up and looking at them. They're about what happens when it's just a glance. Mm -hmm. When you're, you're actually, you've stopped looking at them and you're passing them and it, the, it fires or activates mm. from a separate light source and you're, mm. and you're like, oh, you know, and it, right. and it makes, it kind of makes you look. Welcome to Magic Praxis, a podcast in which artists talk to artists in their studios. In this episode, we visit the Brooklyn studio of sculptor David Shaw. I'm Kate Hawes, and this is Clarity Haynes. David Shaw's intricate sculptures are composed through the juxtaposition of materials such as logs, dirt, steel, blown glass, holographic laminate, flocking, and found furniture. The clash of geometric and organic forms might at first suggest a nature versus culture dichotomy. But Shaw is most interested in science, spirituality, and the communion of ideas we might normally think of as opposites. In our visit to his Sunset Park studio, he discusses why change is a huge part of his work and recently his life. His long involvement in the gallery Feature Inc., which closed in 2014 after the death of its influential founder, Hudson, how a childhood near-death experience sparked his passion for deep sea diving, and how before discovering sculpture, he was on a path to becoming a brain surgeon. It's kind of hard at the moment to see which ones are finished and which ones mm -hmm, are right. in process. So, Are you working towards a show? I'm not. Nice. This is one of the few times that I've gotten this far with a bunch of work mm -hmm. without a show on the horizon. Interesting. Does it feel different to you to be like, is, is there more space in it? More kind of Well, a little freedom? bit too much space. Too much? Yeah. The la yeah. Well, I'd, I'd done so much in the last couple of years. I did five solo shows so the, and it was just too much and yeah. I, I kind of burnt out. And so I decided to not have anything on the horizon and get a bunch of work done and then see you know, right. what was going to happen. Right. And that didn't work out so well, actually. I got, I, yeah, my, my summer fell fallow. Mm, yeah. Okay, right. Yeah. <laughs> because you but it was you like a it's like time. a regeneration time. That's, yeah, maybe you just needed the down. And I had a lot of stuff to work through anyway, so yeah. So now I'm back. Are you a scavenger for wood? I'm a total a scavenger. scavenger. I've my scavenging has like taken new dimension too, but like for the logs, I yeah. I even have a buddy in the parks department who's like, "Hey, here's a good log. Sure. Come get it or whatever." Yeah. And my son finds one for me and, you know, like all sorts right. of things. Yeah. You know, like his friends will like send me a text like, David, there's this piece. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You know? Like there's a tree right. that just yeah, got yeah. chopped down exactly. on 42nd. Yep. But the found aspect has become increasingly important. Like all of these yeah. wall pieces are found plywood. Uh-huh. Like just you know, so it's just trash. Discar yeah, it's mm -hmm. discarded. Yeah. And the furniture pieces are all about like um, this bookshelf, this... Yes, that piece is on its way. Um, Pretender is the mm -hmm. title. Um, you know, and in, in this case, Pretender, I've, I've idealized this thing and then almost brought it back to where it came from. Like it's, you know, it's like a, like a nurse log in a forest. It's like mm. out of its death comes this new... Right, you right. Know, and yet when it goes up, life. it reaches up with those branches, but then you see the slick, like, <laughs> tears or whatever coming down. Oh, you got it right. Glass. <laughs> those are tears. And so it kind of feels like striving in a way, but yeah. it also feels like it's coming back down into That's a cycle. True. 
The flocking reminds me of my father was a model train. Oh guy. yeah, that's where so I get all my stuff. Lots of flocking. Would, in I the forget. Basement. Yeah, like the little green, the little green felty. You know, it's what it is. It's fake grass. Yeah. And they have yeah. all the different types for all the different, yeah. you know, environments. The last step to this are, are these little uh-huh. uh, lichen oh, wow. bits, which are really just extruded rubber. Is that also from the model yeah. business? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, but it gives, yeah. you know, I think that level of attention, that level of detail. Yeah. You, and the reason I used the moss was to take it away from, you know, wood, body, mm. nature. And then idealized holographic, mm-hmm. you know, cubic uh-huh. structure, geometric structure. And so it, it bridges the gap there. Mm-hmm. So I want to read some writing from Jennifer Coates about your work. May I do that? Sure. So the main thing she said that I loved is, each piece exists in precise but precarious balance. That is like, each piece is so precise and yet it's about being off balance or it's about the possibility of it all just falling apart. So it's that like tension. (laughs) Yeah. And then she talks about the violence Um, with all of this sawing, cutting and bending. It is hard not to consider the meaning of violent acts in relation to art making. Picasso called it the sum of destructions. Each of Shaw's sculptures, she says, is a singular unit comprised of repeating angles and truncated simple shapes, similar to Cubism's attempt to break down images into their simplest component parts. It's really good. I love that. (laughs) That was, um, my God, was that 2005? But it seems like she's still right on about your work. It hasn't... That, that, yeah, you, we changed, don't change that much. You know, people's, people's sort of core is kind of, I think, always the same. It just changes form. Well, I think she wrote that at a particular time when, like, I, there was a shift in the work for sure to when I started entertaining the neurochemical. And I had had a history in that, but, you know, I studied that. And, okay. and I, so I started to use the like here with Brink, the, the wood grain emanation of energy, but also different facets of the image. The geometry alludes to chemical structure and molecular structure, and they became sort of maps of themselves. Did you study? Did I just repeat what she said? Shit, I don't know. No, no, no. What what did you study in college? Oh, I was neurochemistry. Okay. Yeah, I was psychopharmacology. I was headed to med school at one point, but I I didn't. But you got far enough along to take in a lot of information? Second semester, junior year, I was headed. And then I I went to New York, and I worked for a sculptor, and uh, meditated a lot. (laughs) <laughs> and thought, what's my interest in this anyways, is really what it came down to. And it was theoretical on, on a certain level. It was like, what are the ideas that surround this? How does that intersect with my life? And that was happening in my artwork anyway. And that's what I enjoyed doing. You know, so it was like a should versus could Right. Thing. So yeah. you were interested in brain chemistry? Yeah. And how to change it? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. I, no, I would have been a whore. Oh, my God. Incarcerated already. Yeah, no. But it's weird I think I would have taken liberties that might not be. I, I don't know. 
But it kind of makes sense, like, you know. Would you let me operate on you? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it, did it involve an interest in surgery? I was thinking yeah, no, I was good, of, I was heading towards pharmacology, like, like how to. No, I was interested sort of... in pharmacology, in the drug action on the brain, but I was definitely headed towards surgery. Oh, wow. Oh, like, that's where I was, yeah, that's what, oh, that's what my yeah. whole thought process was. Like, I'm going, I'm going in. I'm gonna open. Wow. I'm gonna open. Have this people up. have people made much of of like potential surgeon turned well, sculptor surgeon, and the yeah. connections between you know, surgery and sculpture? I, I wasn't far enough along for that to be okay. anything more than a story I can tell now. Right. It's annoying, you right. know, which is annoying because right. I think a lot of people did. You know, that was true in the '80s for me, and then in the '90s, did this what? whole. Well, they's like, oh, I have a science background. Oh, right, and that, right. That was a little bit annoying, thing, so like, I didn't say it. That's, but it's so interesting because surgery it's is a basically a craft. It. It's like a hand. In a way, it's like a thing that you do with your hands. And I, it's like, I like. It's I, important I like the, for me. The metaphor of surgery and sculpture. It's important for me, yeah. like the the handedness of everything. You know, I've had assistance in the past, but I bake everything myself. Yeah. I, if I don't touch it, it's not my. You know, right. like I really got to hold it. Right. And manipulate it to understand it. Do you see yourself as interested in changing? I feel like all art, in a way, is a way in which artists are trying to change people's perceptions about something, or, you know, and in, in that way, I was mm -hmm. drawing the connection to brain science and, you know, an interest in actually tinkering with the brain. But that was very interesting to me. It, like, and I had this professor, Tibor Paifal, he was amazing. And he was the reason I was headed in this direction anyways. And that was, and just fascinated with all these experiments and could tell the story of the experiments really well. He was a great teacher that way. And it was like super exciting to me. I don't think many people in the class cared at all. I was just like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. But what I realized is I loved the story. <laughs> you know, like, like, the, the, like what happened it's great. And what the actual work that would be performed was not necessarily interesting to me. Yeah. So would I have done that? Yes, absolutely. Surgery is fascinating. And I have no qualms. I would perform surgery. <laughs> like, what am I saying? Uh, you know, you know, <laughs> right now, who's up? <laughs> you know, well, there's like, people who would say, yes, I would. And people like, I would say, no way. Yeah. Like you know? I would, I mean, <laughs> a, you know, classic example, a friend of mine got hurt. We were mm. far, we were in a quarry far away from campus and on school. He cut his, almost cut his thumb off mm. and I held it together and walked him back. And then while we waited, for the ambulance and everything, I was like checking it out and opening it and the fatty tissue was coming out and the cartilage and everything. And it was like, I was totally fine. Mm -hmm. it was wow. like, <laughs> you weren't grossed out. Not at all. Cause I thought of the abject as well. Like with that clump of dirt that you have on that beautiful It really got you, huh? It did. I was just, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's basically, I do think you're talking about abjection sometimes. <sighs> Or maybe Against. you think objection is, maybe you think the idea of abjection is a kind of judgment itself that like certain things are gross that you don't think are. That's, that I agree with. Okay. I don't think that it was object. I thought it was a moment of reality. It was like a little world or a little planet mm -hmm. on top of this I see. swirling I see. I see. solar system thing. If you look closely, thing. there's lots of little details and things coming out of it. And yeah, it's there's a little flower right, right. and a little piece of metal the same, and the, the first time that I used a branch, it was like a moment of undeniable reality right. in an abstract space. Okay, that makes sense. That, I see. That's, you know, objection. I mean, yeah, there's a 
objection, perversion, you know, like now we're getting into all Disgust. the more, well, no, sexuality, right, uh, right. change. People don't like change. You know, like. Uh, no, change is terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious, too, about your sort of story a little bit more, too. Like, we, we know that you you showed with Feature Gallery in the early 90s and stayed with Feature I until. Stayed, I was there for, for 26 years. Which is really unusual. Long, is that, until yeah. 2014? No, I was the, I was the last show with Judy Lynn wow. right after he died. After Hudson died. Yeah. It's so weird. It's so hard. You know, I was very close with him. Can you say a little bit about who he was? Hudson was an incredibly important to me and to the art world, I think. Uh, gallerist who ran Feature, which transmuted into Feature Inc. near the end. He came from Chicago. He started as a dancer, performance artist with these amazing, intricate, and really psychologically and emotionally and conceptually intricate performances and ran the Randolph Street Gallery in Chicago, which was like Chicago's white columns, and then opened Feature on April Fool's Day, 1984, I believe. So moved to New York in 87, met him right away, was introduced to him uh, by Bob Gober, and we hit it off, became friends, he asked me to be in the Godhead show, and that was it. He actually, well, he made me wait a decade for a solo show, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> put me through my paces and uh, showed with him quite often. Yeah, and he was a really important man to me. Super lovely human being. <clears throat> but then he died in 2014, and yep. So in a way, like continuing sort of without him in the world is like a, a new beginning of sorts, I would imagine. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I went into a manic phase, you know, given everything that had changed in my life. And, and I did like five solo shows in oh. less than two years, like my, by myself, like no assistance or anything. Well, I, had, I actually had an assistant at the beginning who just kept me waking up in the morning. <laughs> it was really what he was, he was so good. <laughs> he would just be like, he's coming. All right, I'm going to do this. Um, but then I kind of burnt out. So, yeah, it's weird. It, yeah. Yeah, I really feel his absence. But I'm sure you must also feel just so much of what you shared or his thoughts or his ideas in a present a form of a presence as well. He had like this amazing way not to guide you. Really? Like to let you be yourself. And that was what was so beautiful. Like he, he never said, oh, you should do that. Never, like never said anything like that. He advocated for you to be more you. And there were really no limits to what that could be. I keep hearing about this spell that Jesse Branford put on you. Can you, <laughs> can you explain that? Do I have to? <laughs> Jesse. <laughs> Jesse, okay, so my show Eat Out in October of 2013 at Feature, one of the last shows at Feature, was the, were the tables with the, the glassware, the sort of alchemical ponds. And Hudson had a place, that it was called the Upfront, so it was this little space in the front as you walk in, and Jesse did one of his mandalas on the floor that he activated. We did a little ritual my palm print was placed in one of the sectors of the 
mandolin, he had the special salt and water that dried as the expert, and it, that was the purpose. He said that I had water issues, and I did. I mean, there was all this flooding that had happened in my studios, and there's a sort of maybe an over-exuberance of self. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things going on. And he was, he was, it was a drying ritual to bring some balance back into my life. And God, if not three months later, literally everything in my life changed. What happened so three months later? Oh, so many things. Okay. Um, you know, four months later, Hudson died. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, my marriage broke up. And okay. it, it seemed like almost everything I knew in 2013 disappeared immediately in 2014. And it was in a huge change. It was some of it very good and like yeah. a sort of beautiful opening into a new relationship with my son who I, you know, had him all the time. And other relationships blossomed and were really special and important. And yeah. That gives an, <laughs> that gives an added layer to your talk about your work being about change. I mean, sometimes change can be so out of the blue and so shocking and overwhelming that it's like a death. Oh, you know? it's like, you know, walk the walk, David. Right, <laughs> you know? right. It was like, yeah, there really was a, an aspect of like, yep, this is what I've been advocating for my whole <laughs> life. Cool. Let's cool. take this show on the road. Yeah. <laughs> now you're living it. Yeah. No, but, you know, this whole process of drying, it's interesting. You know, you can edit it out if you want to. But, you know, sobriety has been a very important change in my life. And sequentially, there's just been, I've been cutting out the dross. There have just been so many aspects of life. I'm like, okay, do I need that? What does it do for me? Right. Do I remove, need this substance? Remove it. And right. now what happens? Now what happens? Interesting. Um, yeah. And I found a new levels of intimacy with other people, but also with myself. And that's terrifying <laughs> to be that raw and open. The illusion that we have any control is so strong, you know, and that we can like do things and be in the world and take credit for things and get things done. And, you know, and then like when I broke my foot, I felt that way. I was like, oh my God, I am nothing but a vulnerable, needy <laughs> wreck. I know, you that's know? what's so cool about sobriety. You're like, yeah. I've taken away all the mask. Right. Now, oh Lord, like seriously, this is me? Okay. Right. <laughs> right. But we do have control. I yeah. mean, we have the, the ability to become sober. We have the ability to see things clearly. We have the, the ability to confront things. And, you know, there's all different levels of accountability and responsibility and emotional sanity. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting how sometimes an external change, like losing a relationship, a death, getting sober, whatever, like sort of a you know, an actual change in your life can be like a catalyst for so much internal change. Yeah, I hit the trifecta. Yeah. <laughs> it like... But it, and then that reminds me of like the idea of a spell or a ritual where the hand, the salt, the materiality of say a ritual or a spell is the thing that throws things into, like the, it can change something. Yeah, the way I, you know, I have a very complicated relationship to magic. Yeah. Right? And I just used my air quotes just because this I've is audio. I've never cast a spell, by the way. No, I'm just, I, <laughs> I just, I have, I, I have a complicated. I'm going I, on the assumption that they kind of work. I, I don't even know <laughs> what to say about it. But I think what's most fascinating is intentionality. Yeah. Like, and that's what yeah. art is. Like, right. how, totally. like we're putting. That's what I mean. Like it's a we're thing. We're putting this energy into what? It's, that's just glass. That's just metal. That's just a found piece of wood. That's found plywood. 
But if you focus some thought or energy into it, I think that's magic, that transubstantiation. Now my intention's made clear, or, <laughs> or not, <laughs> or, or so open that it's completely unclear. But right, and there's the, a power in that, mm -hmm. you know, in yeah, that, that object. Energy. That, yeah, yes. the energy. And because of intentionality. I believe I, in that. Yeah, Cook, my, my son, found the salt from the ritual just yesterday, actually. It's really interesting oh, you, that we're talking about. Oh, you kept it? Oh, yeah, I use it every once in a while. Uh-huh. Jar, like, a little jar for cooking? Or? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I haven't. I actually haven't done that yet. That's a fair I, question. I, it's a totally fair question. And, to, and, and I'm actually wondering why I haven't, being as adventurous I am. They think it's because he fucking terrified me, is why. You're afraid to, to no, put I it mean, on your... it really is powerful. <laughs> so, I, I mean, Cook brought out, he goes, Oh, is this the salt from Jesse's? And I'm like, Yes, put it back. <laughs> <You know? laughs> what do you keep it in? It's, a, it's the jar he gave it to okay. me, and we can go in the, in, the, mm -hmm. in the drawing studio and look at it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you were like, don't but touch that. No, like there's, there's just, again, intentionality just to take a little. And I've tasted it, put a little on my tongue or, you know, do a little throw it over the shoulder thing. What's the throw it over the shoulder just thing? Just a nice thing. What's uh, that was the first action that he had us do in, in the deinstallation. Mm -hmm. And he said, that's the true activation of this whole thing. And Hudson and I actually went out onto the street in front of Feature last incarnation of feature and tossed it over our shoulders and but that's a thing throwing salt i don't know yeah. where it comes from but that's a thing throwing yeah. salt over your shoulder i would to, it's to, to cast good luck out or something to, or? i don't you know what i don't know yeah i don't know the origins yeah, of it i should <laughs> yeah i should i shouldn't yeah, i yeah. don't know we'll return to our conversation with david shaw in a moment thank you for listening to magic praxis if you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes so we can continue to grow our audience. And don't forget to visit our website, magicpraxis.com, to see images of the artworks we're discussing. And now, back to the conversation. I'm curious, did you find holographic laminate or did holographic laminate find, find you? you? <laughs> like It found me, I think, I don't know, yes. Did you go looking for it? No, like, how did I, that I, relationship I, start? The very second glass piece that I ever made was this big installation. It looked like you were wading through ripples in a pond and there's slumped glass discs all about just above waist level and I had these supports that were steel and you would wade through it and I got what I wanted. I worked for a year and a half on this piece and I got what I wanted and I hated it. And I was like, oh my God, what's wrong with me? I don't know what to do. This is boring. <laughs> like, what did I do? And I ran away from the studio and I ended up down on Canal Street. Used to be a store there, Industrial Plastics. Oh, uh, I'm yeah, yeah. well familiar with and that And I store. walked by and I was just like, It doesn't oh. exist anymore. Does like, it? oh my God. And I went in and I... Bought a yard, no, and I bought a yard of it and I brought it back and I placed it on parts of the steel structure and the light, mm. it sucked this prismatic light up into the glass and activated the whole piece and I was just like, yes. Hudson was amazing. <laughs> like there was this criticism that he would have of people's work. It was like, it doesn't have the third element. And that wasn't like a third okay. element, like a thing, but it was like, it didn't have that 
that third element, they put it over the edge. Uh -huh. Could have form, it could have concept, but it needs, yeah, it's not enough. It doesn't have what? Spirit, emotion, yeah. whatever. It did, and that's material pushed this installation over the top and gave it life. Mm. And I totally see how cheesy it is. It's, you know, it's, but sitting here right now and looking over at that piece leaning against the wall makes me super happy. <laughs> right. And in a way that I know that it's successful because they're not about an image and coming up and looking at them. They're about what happens when it's just a glance. Mm -hmm. When you're, you're actually, you've stopped looking at them and you're passing them and it, the, it fires or activates mm. from a separate light source and you're, and you're like, oh, you know, and it, right. and it makes, it kind of makes you look. The holograph stuff to me is kind of glittery and girly too. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's pretty cheesy on a certain right. level. Do you think of the queer iconography of the Absolutely. rainbow? Absolutely. Yeah, and not, uh, you know, as a straightish male, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's been a long life. I'm not trying to co-opt something or mutate it. I'm allowing it. And that's why I went from, you know, monochrome to all the chrome, right. <laughs> you know, like, like bring it on more, like, argh, like just like everything. But queer is a good word for it. Right. Like right, the, right. the theorist like, Jose Munoz talks about queerness as basically a utopia or a moving towards a utopia and a not, it's not about necessarily like who are you sleeping with or whatever. Right. And the idea of reaching for that and never quite kind of an alterity or something. Right. Um, you could say that the holographic part of it is about the unreal world, except that we have things like northern lights and we see rainbows and we see reflections on water and the physical world is full of all kinds of mirages and beautiful illusions. And so do you think about underwater worlds? Oh God, very much. I mean, that's where all the liquid comes from. I drowned when I was a kid and I'm a Pisces. <laughs> so I have this like very strong affinity to the liquid reality. I learned how to dive to, in order to find out what happened when I drowned. This like was what? after you drowned? Yeah, I was 12. Will you tell the story of, of your drowning? Sure. My brother and I were like fighting uh, in a boat going down the Allegheny River to see who could be right there at the front leaning over the bow and watching the, the, the bow break through the water and create the wake. Yeah. And, and I one, right? And he grabbed my belt loop and threw me off the front of the boat. And I hit my head on the bottom of the boat. And the oh, shit. propeller went by. <gasps> and I was like, Whew, that was close. You know, like everything's cool, except that I was wearing hiking boots and jeans and a sweater. And I could break the surface of the water with my hand, but I couldn't get every time I kicked, I went, you down, I went down. Oh, yeah, and I was going nightmare. down a river too. And how old were you? I was 12. Okay. That must have been terrifying. It, well, that moment before you, you know you're going to take water into your lungs is horrible. It's the worst. It's like, yeah, it's fucking terrifying. And then it happens, and instantaneously, this just incredible calm came over me. Like, no drug... And I've done them all. Nothing, no drug, no sex, no like anything comes close to the like, poof, like the just complete calm that came over and warmth came over my body or self consciousness, whatever. Because it, 
I left. I was, you know, I exited this plane and was interesting because I was lo still looking up through the surface of the water and the, and the ripples of the water. I could see out, I could see the, sh the, the tree line shore of the river, but every facet of the rippling, changing yeah. water was the entire image. So it was like this kaleidoscopic, crazy, you know, over the top thing. And then the next thing I know, my dad's hitting me on the chest and water's coming out and it was very painful. I was like, no, 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 I wanna go back the other way. <laughs> but You remember feeling that way? Oh, that was my, oh. When he brought you. It was he, more scary and he painful. He did CPR on you? What? Or he did, so he dragged yeah, you Yeah, like, he, you know, he got me up and I was on a Back rock. onto the yeah. boat or onto shore? Onto shore. Uh -huh. And it was more scary and painful to take the water in but it was not fun to have it come out. <laughs> like, no, it was no, just no, no. super unpleasant. Oh, wow. Like, yeah. So I learned how to dive because I'm like, okay, what was that? And I took these breath photographs, which I can show you in the other room or I can show you here. Oh, that's interesting. So you learned diving. Just to just see. Just to sort of experience that underwater world. Yeah. And, and so I get, in touch with get off the boat with all the people learning how to dive and they yeah. all go down and are looking that's at the beautiful. coral and the fish and I'm just like, they're breathing and these bubbles were going by me. I'm like, yeah. <gasps> you, uh, you know, like I'm in the dive instructors like come down with us. I'm like, uh, -uh this is amazing. So I'm just like hanging out in the water column above them and they would exhale and these, yeah. like, like that photograph, these perfect, which is not the what you think of when you think of a bubble. You think of like round, right? Because we're out here. But there, they oh, they look like jellyfish. The top of them are or like UFOs domes. or. Right, but yeah. there's a certain perfection to them, right? Sure. And they they're expanding as they go up, and then they rip apart into two and into three. You know, and so it was like this. It, it's just this amazing example of perfection and loss. Like, you're, like there's ascension, descension, there's issues of like, you know, perfection spirituality and like super clinical physical reality. I see that in your work like this. Like it's a, like I always feel like going deep down under the ocean is just like going to another world. Well, you know, diving, the whole Collected sport things. of diving aside from the military applications, mm -hmm. which is the other way that it started. But the sport of diving started from spelunkers mm. who would go down into these caves and bottom out, right? Because there's water and they're like, well, why can't we go further? further and right. then they, they, right. they take milk cartons and stuff like that. And then they, you know, feel pain and not know right. why. And, you know, and like they, yeah. they all worked out. There's this amazing book. Caverns yeah. Measureless to Man by Sheck Exley. Oh, wow. I'll check <laughs> yeah. that out. That yeah. Good. The bit, I mean, the divers are explorers. Yeah. Like astronauts, yeah. but the other direction. Yeah, it's <laughs> right. Inunauts. <laughs> Is that the word mm -hmm. for it? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think, like, now that we're talking about it, I mean, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like now I see your work with that in mind. And it's like, I see this, like, this person who's, like, just, he's going there to that dark you know, or that place where there, you know, where <laughs> yes. light is filtered and, you know, like the, both the light and the reflections, but also just this whole notion of going to that other place and like trying to find out what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, that was early in the, my work, like nine, yeah. 91, 92. And, and it just you know, found its way here very right. naturally. And yeah, I like, like things, water change, wet, yeah. uh, unknowing, 
Yeah. 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 And that explains so much because that, that's that disturbing element to your work too, because it's not just about the beauty of it. It's about the terror, you know, and just the lack of stable yeah. ground. And Beautiful change. things are terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did your brother get in so much trouble? <laughs> yeah. We were all, I mean, yes, but I was alive, so no. Right. You know, like, we were, oh, we, we were terrors. We were. Yeah. yeah. Uh, was he older than you or younger? Younger. We yeah. put two years and yeah. we just, we were very physical beings. Right. So now you get to channel all that physical energy into your, some of it into your making, at it's least. It's impossible. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, not all of it. No, I'm sure I, you no, no it's like, that. it's a lot of yeah, but I feel like, I mean, like working with your hands and tools and materials, it's like, it is so cathartic, you know, it's like just getting your hands in there. And yeah. It's a release. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. This has been you are so, so interesting. welcome and thank you for coming and asking me absolutely. questions that scare me. This episode of Magic Praxis was mixed by John Bender, who also does our music. Sign up for future episodes on iTunes or at magicpraxis.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.